You're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. Each week, a member of our staff shares a Devo, talking through a piece of our mission, vision, and culture. This is that Devo. Let's check it out. So um, this morning, we're going to be going through the final of six weeks. Um, It's been spread out over a longer period of time than six weeks, but we've gone through um, the mission and the vision statement of Word of Life and kind of broken it up into six blocks. And so today is the final um, of the six, and uh, we're going to be looking at the word follower. So our mission statement, I know you've all heard it many times, but leading individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus. So when we started this, week one was of Jesus. And so really, this is kind of that tail end is uh, what it means to be a follower. So considering what the, the word follower means, what it means for us to be a follower of Jesus, we, we all have this sense of what it means to be a follower. I think that, um, you know, we would all recognize that as we use the term often today, follower, it's far much more weightier than what it's, you know, often used as today with sort of social media. The idea of a social media follower, we all get that it has a much more significance than that. The idea of being a follower of Jesus is far much more than we follow someone on social media. And of course, we all get that. One thing that we cannot avoid from even a very surface reading from the life of Jesus is that he made invitations to uh, people to become his followers. Jesus, this was something that he would say to people routinely and regularly is that, come, follow me. Is that, you know, drop what you're doing. Come, follow me. And this call to follow him was something that Jesus made routinely. And that invitation is, of course, still there for each and every one of us today. But it came with a, a level of cost. And it came with a level of significance and a level of weight and importance. It certainly wasn't casual or fleeting, but this call to follow me is strong. It's a big, strong call. It's significant. It has weight to it. It it really is life-changing. And so this call to follow him is a call to follow him wholeheartedly. I'll read this from Mark 1, and there's many other examples we could have used. But one day as Jesus was walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing the nets. He called to them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Now reading this as I was getting ready for this morning, um, it just kind of made me laugh, this idea of, here's Zebedee. He's got his two sons and a couple of guys that he's hired, and they're all in the boats fixing the nets. And then this rabbi who you've never heard of just comes along and says, hey, boys, want to follow me? It's like, yeah, dad, forget this. I'm going to go with that guy. And Zebedee's just there with all these broken nets. Like, what the heck is happening here? Anyway, I brought a smile to my face. But we see a similar scenario with Matthew as he leaves his tax collector's booth behind. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, This is Jesus. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. This call to invite, it wasn't small. This invitation to be a follower of Jesus, it wasn't insignificant. It's truly life-changing. To be a follower means to leave behind whatever else we may have been following. It means following even though the journey may become dangerous and uncertain and costly. And to help sort of consider this idea and the significance of this, I thought about it'd be helpful to consider what following isn't. So I first say that follower doesn't mean admirer. To be a follower, it's different from being an admirer. Our call to follow Jesus doesn't mean being a fan. Being a fan or an admirer is something you can turn on or off. There are different levels of intensity with when you're a fan or you're an admirer of something. It can be fleeting or conditional. It can also be demanding. You know, if you're a fan, it's entertain me. 
Um, you know, you can also admire someone from a distance. Fandom has limits. So being an admirer or a fan, that's, that's not it. That's not being a follower. Being a follower doesn't mean being an acquaintance. An acquaintance is just someone you know. It's someone you've met but never really developed a, a deep kind of friendship with. Jesus tells his disciples that he no longer calls them servants, but he calls them friends. If a friend is missing from your life, you feel it. But if an acquaintance drifts in or out of our life, it doesn't even necessarily register on a deep level. In the commitment to follow Jesus, we cannot be content with just being a casual acquaintance. That's not being a follower. Another thing, a follower doesn't mean being a uh, beneficiary. Being a follower doesn't mean just being a beneficiary. People who follow Jesus so that they could get a blessing and receive a miracle and get what they want and have their needs met. Um, you know, all of that, they, let, they found themselves being highly disappointed because that wasn't what Jesus was in, inviting people to do when he invited them to follow him. What Jesus gives us is far much more than we can imagine, but he has never been and never will be a cosmic ATM. What Jesus gives us, what he offers us, of course, eternal life, but also peace here on earth. The, the restoration with the Father, all these things, it's so much more than we could ever imagine. And yet, in our humanity and in our brokenness and in our faulty thinking, oftentimes we want Jesus to be a cosmic ATM, is that we push the right buttons, we get what we want for what we need and what we feel we need right now. That's not what Jesus is extending as an invitation to follow him. Paul understood this. We read in the book of Philippians, at this point, Paul was in prison. In prison in the first century, it was even worse. Prison today sounds terrible. The idea of going to prison terrifies me. If you ask me what my greatest fear is, I will tell you it's being arrested for something I didn't do. I, I'm honestly, the idea of going to prison, oh my gosh, sounds terrible. But even then, it was even worse. There was no safety standards, there's no meals provided for you. You depended on people coming in and giving you whatever food they could get. You needed friends to support you, they were taking care of you. Paul's stuck in prison. And while in prison, he says, I can do all of this. I can suffer like this. I can have a lot. I can have a little. I figured out how to be content. I can do all of this because Christ gives me strength. I can do all of this because I've got Jesus. That's what it means. It's not this idea of I just push the right buttons and I get whatever blessing I may need. I, I pray the right prayers. I do the right stuff. And then I get the blessings and I get the... Uh, no, 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 no. Jesus offers far much more than that. But the invitation to become a follower is not an invitation to just be a beneficiary. It's not just a selfish, what you want, when you want it, how you want it, and all that kind of stuff. Next thing, being a follower doesn't mean being a spectator. Being a spectator, Jesus said, follow me and I'll show you how to be fishers of men. It wasn't come with me and watch all this cool stuff I'm going to do. It was follow me and you will do likewise. Follow me and you will do great things also. Just like for us, our invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to join him in his work. We are co-laborers. We work alongside him building the church. So if that's what it doesn't mean, what does it mean to follow? Well, if we're following Jesus, it means that he sets the destination. He sets the destination. He sets the route. He sets the mode of transportation. He decides if we're going to take a detour or not. And he sets the pace that we're going to move. He sets the destination. He sets the route we're going to take. He decides the mode of transportation. He decides if we're going to take a detour or not, and he sets the pace. It's significantly more than being an acquaintance, an admirer, a beneficiary, or a spectator. These are shallow, but the effect it has on someone's life is minimal. But following Jesus is heavy. It's weighty. It's strong. It's a call to follow. 
The Good Shepherd is a passage that I'm sure many of us know very well from John 10. These were a few verses. There's a lot more, but these really stood out to me contemplating on this. John 10 verse 2, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognizes his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. Then down in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. To follow is the ultimate act of submission because it means that we're giving up choosing the destination. It means that we're giving up choosing the route we're going to take through life. It means giving up the mode of transportation that we would choose. It means that we don't get to set the detours in life. It means that we don't even get to determine the pace. To follow Jesus means giving up that ability in our life and acknowledging that Jesus, where you're going, where you're taking me, where you're leading me, where you are going so I can follow, it's better than if I choose to just follow myself. It's submitting to Jesus, where you're going, how you're getting there, the pace that you're moving, it is better. It is going to go better for me than if I do this myself. If I do this, if I discern and I try to figure out where's the best thing for me to do. No, no, no. By submitting to you, you are going to take me somewhere better. Being a true follower means following in every season. Life will have ups. It will have downs. There's not a single person here that has not experienced this in a very real way. And being a true follower means that in every season, the very worst days and the very best days, it is that trust and is that submission of, Lord, you are going to get me through this. You are going to get me around this. You are going to lift me up. You are going to keep going. And it is worthwhile and it is right and it is proper that I keep following you. The call to follow Jesus is not a small request. There is not a single aspect of a believer's life that is not affected by their commitment to follow Jesus. This is why the, the underlying belief and trust that he loves us is so important. The submission that I'm going to follow you, you're going to determine where I'm going, how I'm going to get there, the pace that we're going to move, all those things. For us to be able to trust him with this, for us to be able to submit to that, the, 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 the belief and the confidence and the trust that he loves us is so important. That's why the, the message of the love of God is not wishy-washy and it's not just airy-fairy and it's not just pie in the sky. It's so important because the call to follow Jesus is a call to submit everything and let this fellowship affect every single area of our lives. And so underpinning all of it needs to be a belief that you love me, that you have my best intentions in mind. If we don't have that belief and that trust and that confidence that he loves us, then that total submission that following him involves, that's a difficult thing to wrap our heads around. That's a difficult thing to believe. That's a difficult thing to sign up for. But if we believe that he loves us deeply and that it is right and it is proper that we trust him because he loves us, then that commitment to follow him, that commitment to let him determine the destination, how we're going to get there, all that stuff, the fact that this following him is going to affect every single area of our lives. If we truly believe he loves us, man, it makes total sense and it's done with joy. The call to be followed to Jesus the call to submit each and every area of our lives to let our faith and commitment to him as the Lord and the king of our lives, it supersedes everything else in the world. And that is a huge commitment. The invitation to follow Jesus is not the call to follow someone who is ambivalent towards you. It's not the call to follow someone who is forgetful about you. It's not the call to follow someone who has bad intentions towards you. But it's the call to follow the one who loves you more than any of us could ever describe. It's the call to follow the Son of God whose love was proven on the cross. 
Not only are we submitted and committed to following someone who has proven their eternal love for us, but Jesus has also promised to help us in our life of following him. The call to follow him in our own strength is impossible. To be able to follow him, we cannot do it. But Jesus is not only calling us to follow him, he's not only proving his love for us so that we can trust it is right and best for us to follow him. It goes a step further and he makes the promise of, I am going to help you follow me. The Holy Spirit being described as a helper is important for us and the Holy Spirit helps us follow Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us to stay faithful, to be effective, to flow with the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. That is amazing to me as I was contemplating this whole idea of being a follower. Yes, it involves every area of our lives. And it is right that I trust Jesus with this because I know that he loves me. He has proven it on the cross that he loves me. And not only that, he has also said, I'm going to help you put one step in front of the other and help you figure it out. I remember uh, it was a while ago now. Was, I can't remember how many years ago it was, but um, I shared a... a pair of messages, it was kind of a two-part series with a group of youth students, and I believe it was around Christmas time, but the idea that I was bringing to the students is that your life is a story, but when you're a believer, you are not the author of your story, and not only are you not the author of your story, this is why it was a two-part, but you are not the hero of your story. Your life is a story, you're following him, but in that life of where your story is being unfolded every day, you're not the author of your story. You're following the author. You're not the hero of your story. Jesus is the hero of your story. That's what it means to follow him. You're here for his glory, for his purposes, for what he's doing in the earth. That's what it all means. It doesn't matter if history remembers your name or not. What matters is that people remember his name. He is the hero in the story of our lives. And when we follow Jesus, we are following the one who loves us and is committed to helping us follow him. You've all heard me say this many, many times. Um, if anything is going on my tombstone, it should be this. If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, if you believe that he loves you so much, if you believe that he truly is the beginning and the end, if you believe that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, if you believe this, the only logical response is to follow him with everything. The only logical response, the only way any of this makes sense is to follow him each and every day, all seasons of life, to trust that he loves you, that he's taking you and guiding you and taking you places that you will want to go, that he is pulling you through, that even though it doesn't make sense, we trust him because he loves us. And even though we feel that we just can't put one foot in front of the other, we know that he has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can make it through another day, that we can discern what it means to follow him, that we can live a life that honors Jesus. And we do it with everything, not half-heartedly, not wishy-washy, not as an admirer or a fan or looking to see what's in it for us as a beneficiary, not as somebody that's just uh, wanting to, just to do this wishy-washy. We are doing this with everything. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's not a small invitation. It is a huge, weighty, significant, life-changing invitation. Lord, as we have committed our lives to follow you, Lord, may we do it with joy. Lord, may we do it confident because you love us. Lord, may we follow you certain that it is right and it is appropriate that we trust you. Lord, confident that you love us and that the way you're leading us and the way that we are following you, Lord, it is all driven and motivated by the love you have for humanity. And Lord, may the Holy Spirit help us put one foot in front of the other. May the Holy Spirit be there moment by moment helping us figure out what it means to follow you. 
to live a life that honors you. And Lord, we submit all this to you. We are following you. We are followers of Jesus. And it is a true honor and a joy. Lord, we love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.